The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. There is a season. Welcome to another edition of There is a Season, the Geezer and Whippersnapper Hour, and the only show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to weigh in on what you hear here, there's a number of ways you can do that. What's the uh, what's a couple of them? Well, you can reach us by using the handy In Touch tab on our website, thereisaseasonshow.com, or by sending us an email to Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. Look forward to those emails. And if you um, want to um, write to us by uh, by snail mail too, there's an opportunity for that. We can maybe cover that later on. And we've covered it in some previous shows too. Just drop us a letter. So the numbers go up, the numbers go down. We close, we open, we close, we open up a little more. Then close for 14 days, then open. And it very well seems to be the case that we'll continue on this pattern or something similar right on into the latter part of this year and probably next. Yes, and while talk of vaccines and therapeutics coming soon give us hope, nobody knows for sure exactly what will work and when it will work to begin stemming the tide of contagion from this pandemic. So we muddle along trying to maintain the basics, socially distance, wash our hands, wear masks, and take the latest optimistic or pessimistic views and news about COVID-19 with a grain of salt, and we soldier on. Yes, and that last part, the the news, the announcements, the studies you hear seem to give us hope at times or set us back at other times. You know, who doesn't want this to be over with, right? But regardless, a lot of them get added into the noise of the political season or become an ingredient in the political soup of the year, if you want to use a different metaphor. Some people hang on to every word and click every link, maybe hoping to counter something they've learned here or hoping to corroborate something they've learned there. But the truth is most of us need to do what's right for us, for our families, for those immediately around us. The establishment of best practices for dealing with COVID-19, well, it it happens, but it's not fixed, right? Gloria, it changes as more is known and understood. Some of us will be more diligent in following these practices uh, if we have known greater known risks, right? Let's say we're around uh, the elderly or somebody else we know who could be at a greater risk than ourselves. So we, we're conscious of that if we're caring for people. And others may simply be more relaxed in their approach, uh, you know, to maybe having a higher level of risk, um, but comfortable with their lifestyle, with the people that they're around, and so forth. Things will keep changing. And I think, you know, our feelings about this will also not be fixed. I think our feelings are going to continue to change. Yeah, that's true. I think that's true for all of us, Bob. Um, I think one thing is near certain for most of the people we encounter, with a few exceptions, and it's this. We'd rather be in a both-and kind of culture and economy. Mm -hmm. That is, taking steps to be safe, but also taking steps to keep living as fully as we can, 
versus an either or culture and economy with rules and reactions and each week lurching this way and that in terms of what we do or are allowed to do yeah yeah for many people in this state and even worse in other states long after we solve for COVID 19 there will be little left for some of their livelihoods savings and more so we should just pray for solutions and be generous in our understanding of differing differing viewpoints for sure and not give up hope. No, let's not. I mean, it, and that's got to be a very difficult thing because some people have uh, obviously lost um, lost loved ones, right? And uh, some people have lost their businesses. They've lost careers and so forth, lost a lot of savings. And so, you know, we're not going to sit over here Pollyanna saying, oh, gee, you know, put on a happy, happy face. You can't do that. Um, but I think still a lot of us would like to say, okay, we understand now we've sort of taken that initial blow that came in the spring. Let's, let's keep finding ways of being positive and working through this as opposed to like shutting off the light or climbing under the rock again and just hiding from the world. We did some of that. And I think uh, it not only had a negative economic, um, you know, outcome for a lot of the country and for the world, but it also hurt people, I think, psychologically to be so uh, withdrawn because of a lot of the shutdowns that happened and are still going on around the country. Yeah, and just fear. I mean, you know, a lot of people have this fear now that's embedded in their being now probably forever. Yeah. You know? Well, it's and what did we say before? And there are people from different eras, the Depression era and so forth, who who seemed kind of scarred by that, right? Right. And they lived way, way past that. Or... People who came through war, or so, you know, there's always been times uh, where people have uh, had that kind of national scare, national fear that was widespread or deep, and whether it touched them directly and personally, to some degree deeper than somebody else, may not even be the issue. They were still part of the environment when it occurred, and it it had a lasting impact on them, right? Um, so, I mean, you, you understand that, right? But I think, as you said, a lot of people would want the both and. How can we, how can we live through this? How can we, you know, uh, toughen ourselves up a little bit, deal with some of the changes, but keep looking forward to, uh, you know, to life as much as we can and, and try to make the most out of things? Now, I suggest if you're the kind of person who listens to this station, you probably stay up on the news quite a bit. One thing that we have sometimes tried to counsel each other on and some people around us is... And I hate to say this out loud because I know people want, you know, news and traffic and weather all the time. Well, skip it a day or two or skip it for a few hours if you have to. I would say don't stir up the anxiety and concern that you might have about COVID every morning and every evening. Um, because you're a lot of times you're not going to find the game changing news uh, that's going to say, hey, it's all done. It's all over. And uh, what I would suggest, and we'll talk about some of that here additionally today, is to try to concentrate more on what is right now, right in front of you, than the dangers of what could be uh, down the road, at least at least for a day or so. Does that make sense? Yeah, or, or even just pick a time of day to get your news for the day. You know, there's other things going on in the world, too. It's not just COVID, and it's not just politics. You know, just get your morning news or your morning whatever, um, TV or your evening, pick one. And to have it on all day long, I think, just continually feeds the anxiety. It's like anything. And and COVID is not so much different than any other thing that um, invokes anxiety or fear. It could be, you know, a diagnosis of anything medically. It could be cancer. It could be be Alzheimer's. It could be 
we, a lot of people always worry about their job um, or about finances. So this is just enhancing. You remember after 9-11, mm-hmm. you couldn't stop looking at the TV or, or listening to the radio. But people were sitting there, you know, for the first week, for the second week. Well, for hoping, years, wondering if we're going to have another one of those catastrophes or terrorist attacks. Yeah. And maybe even in some ways, I remember finding myself wishing somehow, could, could this have been undone? Was there some, boy, did everybody get out? Or how many people got out? If only we had done this, if only we had done that. The reality was so overpowering that it was paralyzing. Right. And it is paralyzing to continually live in this COVID-19 arena, nonstop. So we're going to tell you some ways yes. today to so maybe. A, right. As we, as we put together this show, we wanted to approach... <laughs> the COVID issue, not so much from a question of science or politics or numbers or rules and whatnot, but from something more common and cultural, our habits, our ways of doing things. Has the COVID-19 pandemic altered the way we live? I think never, nearly everybody can say that it has in some way. And how much of that is good and how much of that is bad? And we're going to take a look at that today. Right. Well, naturally, if you've lost loved ones to the disease, there's no question that there's been a negative impact in your life. Um, And we send our thoughts and prayers to you. We know you've had changes in your life. The same holds true if you've lost a job or a business. These are major life changes and in some cases devastating for those who have experienced them. But what about other things too? Have you noticed that life has changed for the better in any way because of the coronavirus and its impact on our society and in our own homes? Are there other things that you miss? Are you glad, not that the coronavirus has afflicted the world, but that it's acted as a catalyst for something different and something maybe surprising? What's changed for you? So we came across uh, one article uh, that, that was published out on AARP, and it was talking about some of these changes. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, as we've just alluded here, the effect of these may last a long, long time. Uh, one that is uh, very common, and, and some people have welcomed this, and uh, whether they're employees or their management or whether they're business owners. Other people have said, no, it's upsetting the apple cart in a lot of different ways. But it's, it's working from home, right? Mm-hmm. The outbreak of abruptly introduced tens of millions of workers to this idea of telecommuting, maybe something you always wanted to do and suddenly it landed in your lap. Well, there's a data from the Coronavirus Disruption Project that suggests a lot of people like to work from home. 42% of survey participants said the experience has made them want to work from home more. More than 60% of those who are teleworking said they are enjoying the relaxed attire and grooming standards. (laughs) <laughs> which translates a lot of times to no pants. Well, or, or just not or, having to get on a shirt and tie, right? right? You or can just stay pajamas and sweats. pants, right? Um, what was the... Uh, somebody made some joke about that uh, a long time ago about... Um, you know, whether it was a pants day or a pajamas day or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> um, so 60% uh, said they enjoy the relaxed attire and the grooming standards greater flexibility and a lack of a commute. And 78% said they are as effective or more when working from home. Yes. I think there will be some upside to this disruption that workers will want to preserve, says Deborah Dinesenzo, the president of Virtual Works, a consulting firm that advises companies on transitioning to the telework world. She says people and families are going to be spending more time together. I think people will be more adamant that they want more time to work at home and not go back to all the crazy commuting that they were doing before. So for many, 
that's going to sit really well with their bosses. Nearly three quarters of corporate finance officials surveyed in late March by Gartner, a business research and consulting firm, said their companies plan to move at least 5% of on-site workers to permanent remote status as part of their post-COVID cost-cutting efforts. So, and, and more recent reports are that many are going to, are if they want to, they can work from home forever. They never have to return to the office. So there are changes. Yeah, and, and you, you can see that, you know, the, the folks who are counting the beans in some companies might say, well, it's, that's lower cost, right? We don't have to have... Uh, you know, a, a desk and computers and lights and all that kind of stuff for folks. Uh, you might still provide computers and other business uh, technology. Now, somebody is always going to probably be on the other side of that. So if you're in the, uh, the space rental business, if you're a developer, if you have a skyscraper and suddenly you've had a huge vacancy on three floors, not a great thing for you. But in the world of work, a lot of people have changed in this area and they, they do think it's good. There was a time when nobody trusted you a lot of times when, when you're working from home. You know, they, right. they said, well, you're not here. You're not part of the culture, right? I think that there are reports that they're saying people are more productive, generally speaking, overall at home. Oddly enough, you know, nobody's congregating at the water cooler or the Keurig coffee machine. They're just and- hitting the fridge more often than they should. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you today, so please share an email with us at Bob and Gloria at There is a Season Show. What things, good or bad, have come from this new world we inhabit? What do you see changing in the future, for better or for worse? And uh, we'd love to share those with everybody else who's listening today. So we'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria Show. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. Thanks for being with us today. So we're talking about COVID-19, but not so much about the numbers and the science and the governor's reports and the rules and all of that. You hear plenty of that. We're talking a little bit more about the day-to-day. How has COVID-19 impacted us in our habits, in our ways of engaging each other, and our overall lifestyles? Yes, we know a lot of bad has come from this pandemic, but has it all been bad? Or are there some good things or simply some changes that have come about that perhaps were long overdue for some of us. I think there's been a few silver linings discovered. I think so too. So we're reading here from uh, some things in, in an AAP article, which is asked about this. And they've they've done a, a service for us here by gathering a few of these things together. And one of the other changes people have experienced is seeing your doctor. A uh, survey last year by the University of Michigan's National Poll on Healthy Aging found that only 4% of people over the age of 50 had seen a doctor virtually in the previous year. Just, you know, it wasn't something people did. More than half did not know whether their doctor even offered video visits. Patients and practitioners alike were interested in telemedicine, uh, says an infectious disease specialist at the university and the poll director, uh, Prati Malani. But in, there were no great rush. It was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Maybe we'll get to that. But it was not a big deal a year ago. Right. So that has changed at the speed of light, she says. Doctors and patients who previously might have considered telehealth only in limited circumstances, such as an illness while traveling or a routine maybe post-op chat, are now seeing that a wider range of services can be provided virtually. Along with cutting out hassles like parking and waiting room time, video visits make it easier for family members to observe and participate 
which is a, a really, you know, great thing for caregivers as well, right? Right, it, 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 because it allows you then to help weigh in on that from a coordination standpoint. standpoint. Right. Because we're always concerned that when somebody goes to a doctor's visit, are they going to get you know, all, all the thing, all the news right. Right. So before coronavirus, there was a lot of interest in trying to move telehealth and to really think about it carefully and try to encourage it. It was an aspirational goal, Milani said, and it felt like it was really a year or two away and it never would have replaced the things it has replaced. But because of necessity, it's really moved fast. Yeah. More and more people. Oh, absolutely. I've already had a couple. What about you, Bob? I, uh, don't think I've had any Live, I've done some communication with a physician via, you know, email and, mm-hmm. and so forth. But I don't, I've not had a live. Yeah, I've it. done a couple with with my family. Uh, another one that has uh, no surprise is the online purchase and home delivery of groceries. <laughs> frankly, of everything, right? Right. Uh, it surged during coronavirus in March 2020. A survey of more than 1,500 consumers uh, found that 55% had shopped for groceries online, compared with 36% in a poll from 2018. The number doing so weekly nearly doubled, and downloads of apps for delivery services like Instacart, Walmart Grocery, and Peapod have doubled, tripled, or even quadrupled in just a month. Yeah, so this group has uh, taken consumers' pulse on this online grocery shopping regularly since 2015. They've dug a little deeper into whether the changes might be lasting. Now, more than half of those who purchased groceries online said that the COVID crisis made them more likely to keep doing it permanently. And those who shopped only at stores, 41% said they plan to try delivery in the next six months. The results show an inflection point in consumer demand, a more sustainable and permanent shift in how we buy our groceries. That's just two things right off the top there. Right. You know, how we are accessing medical input and our groceries. We've got a lot more here in terms of how we're communicating about what we're doing regarding masks, about our entertainment, about our travel. All of that is just ahead, uh, plus your thoughts to Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. We'll have more right after the news. Stay with us. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. W. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, this is Rush Limbaugh. This is my home in the Miami Valley. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. 1290-957. WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. The one and only... The only one I know. Is that bad? Is is that good? Like you have to ask. It's <laughs> oh, you know. Oh yeah, uh, it's good. It's <laughs> right. all, it's all good. It's always the good. one and only Glory A. I don't know that we could take more than one, really. Well, I'm that just doesn't saying. sound so good. No, it's it's great. I would think you'd want more. No, of, the, <laughs> <Yeah>. of me. <laughs> yes. Well. Okay. So hey, we're uh, we're talking about the COVID, as some uh, like to say. Uh, yes, it has put us all through the ringer this past year. We've had sickness. We have had many people die from this. Um, we've had fortunes lost, which we're not making light of in any way. These are these are very tough times for a lot of people. Uh, we've also had a certain amount of resilience. Uh, we've seen some great stories, starting with our first responders and the people in the healthcare who are giving you know millions of hours of uh, 
of work to care for other people. It may be soon, too soon to tell for many still struggling with loss right now, but even some of those folks will tell you stories that there has been some good happening amidst this tragedy. Yes, and that's what we're asking today. What bad and good has come from COVID-19 in your life? Are there things that have changed that needed to change anyway? Has the culture been irreparably mentally and morally dragged down because of this crisis? Or do you see glimmers of hope and humanity amidst all that we've been through? Have you experienced unexpected good that has come from this time in our lives? It's a tough question to ask sometimes because uh, I, when people feel forced to do things, it's a little different if, than if they just decided, hey, you know, we're going to start doing yes, this now, right? Absolutely. Um, I think out of the force that has come, and there's been a lot of that, you know, we've been forced to not do certain things or change our habits and the way we live our lives. That is in where after a while of that, maybe we can start to see, hmm, not because of COVID-19, but just because these are some things that have changed me and the way I live my life in a better way. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I some people some. will accept some of that and say it doesn't matter what triggered it. You know, and sometimes that happens in other ways. We change because of tragedy. We change because of a health thing, right? Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't want to exercise. Then suddenly they go and somebody says, hey, you know, you've got a, a bad heart condition or you've got... Uh, you're pre-diabetic or whatever, and you feel like, oh, gosh, here it's going to be a loss of my freedom. But you get down, you know, six months to a year down the road after some changes in your lifestyle, and you say, boy, it was a good thing that happened. Well, and some people don't change. You know, we know a lot of people that have had a lot of health changes, and they don't make the change. So we're all different in how we respond to things that are seemingly forced upon us. Right. Some right. of us, you know, resent it, and some of us welcome Embrace it. Embrace is a big word. Yeah, that's, that's maybe a reach. <laughs> we, we welcome it with open arms. Okay, so one of the other things that's changed is how we communicate, how we stay in touch. So now a lot of people will talk about Zoom meetings, right? Or Zoom happy hours, Facebook uh, live watch parties, uh, virtual visits. A lot of that's gone on. We did that certainly back in the early uh, days of all of this with grandma and grandpa and people around the country. Um the uh, Coronavirus Disruption Project, which is a research uh, project sponsored by AARP, found that while the pandemic has moved our social lives online, people report that their relationships with relatives, friends, and coworkers have not suffered. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to go back to, for some, getting drinks with friends, right? Um, although, I could use one right now. <laughs> you've got some coffee over there. <laughs> although going to bars ranked last among 15 things the Center for the Digital Future asked people if they missed. Amazing. Mm. But the whole notion of how we interact, socializing, has been affected in a pretty profound way, especially for the many older Americans newly adopting these video tools to stay in touch, right? Yeah, and it's, it's not perfect. And it's it it's not. It doesn't replace a hug uh, for, for your loved one, but it's better sometimes than just being on the phone or not having anything. Right. They're saying that plain old phone calls can now start to feel sort of shallow. We're starting to get used to seeing people, whether it be FaceTime or Zoom. So, anyway. One area that has uh, caused a lot of debate about the degree and the type and the situation, so it's the whole thing about wearing masks, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so this idea of stemming contagion has long been commonplace in many Asian countries. 
uh, in some Asian American communities. With COVID-19, it's taken hold among more and more of the public at the urging, and in some cases, the mandate of federal, state, and local officials. Um, and, and a lot of people have said, well, we can expect it to stay that way. Yeah, so this is the kind of event that could lead to um, a sea change in this mask wearing, right? Um, he says that Khan, who has studied American attitudes and stigmas about public face covering, while it's never going to be a majority phenomenon, he predicts that the practice will become routine in some settings and situations, especially like in dense urban areas, for example, or when people with a cold or common flu actually venture out, right? Right. If you, you, if you had told somebody a year and a half ago, okay, you got the sniffles or you're coughing, you say, you better put a mask on when you go out. Most people would say, are you, are you crazy? Yeah, I've never done that, right? Yeah, we just haven't done that. Or on a plane, right? But now more and more people might do that or they might say, hey, if you want that school to stay open and not have so much of a panic while we're waiting for uh, therapeutics or vaccines to come along or whatever, how about we'll allow the kid to come to school but why don't you mask? Right. You know? My prediction would be in the continuing care centers. I suspect I could be wrong that masks will be required indefinitely because it's a dense living area. Um, a in, lot of people indoor, who right. are compromised. I don't think that will ever change because a common cold or flu could, you know, knock out several people. And we could we also were talking about this before the show that a lot of the things that a mom or a dad might have told a kid growing up: wash your hands, wash your hands, <laughs> wash your hands, wash your hands. Right. Well, now. What if we suddenly saw a drop? Now, someone's going to report that the sale of uh, cold medicine and, <laughs> and all these kind of things have, have fallen as cratered because people aren't getting, getting as many colds. Sick, right. Uh, but, I mean, if you had your kid more habitually, regularly washing their hands and perhaps masking, and you wouldn't have some of these common things going around that we suffer with every winter, norovirus and everything else, you know, wouldn't that be great? Well, and therein lies the reason why we might be doing this forever. Because while we're doing all this, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere last uh, flu season, they didn't see hardly any cases. And they suspect it's because everybody was masking due to COVID. I don't know that now we could stop because we've not been exposed to so many things because of our mask wearing. Could be another outbreak of something as simple as well, some deadly cold well, virus that's yeah. and, it's separate from COVID-19. So, yeah, this whole idea we're not of building immunity. up our immunity, maybe. I don't well, know. Yes, right. It can go both <laughs> you ways, You see what I'm right? saying? Yeah. Um, hard to judge. But I, we do think that's one of those things that could provide some benefits. And yeah. again, long term, maybe someone's going to tell us, you know, stop masking altogether and start licking the railing when you go into a building. Changes you all the time are the advice from <laughs> researchers and professionals out there, doesn't it, Bob? Yes. Now, uh, another one that's a, a pretty easy thing to see is going to the movies. This was already happen happening. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, either due to cost or inconvenience, or primarily the competition from things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and so forth has said, I'm not doing a full, I'm not going to a theater anymore. I mean, I can count probably on one hand the times I've been to a movie theater in the last 10 years. Right. So post-pandemic, movies will be one of the slowest things to return and cinemas will close in droves. And I just saw in the news yesterday that Disney is going to completely change how they put the movies out for people. And I think it's all going to be streamed. Travel is going to change a lot uh, in, in some odd ways. You know, traveling by air. Uh, frankly, I don't know how some of these airlines are even going to stay afloat uh, mm. other than by more uh, subsidies and, and whatnot. But uh, cleanliness was not always the, the top uh, thing that a lot of these planes uh, did. You know, you might get a cursory cleaning as the, as the plane came into a, a stop. You know, they'd do a quick rundown through the cabin. 
Uh, but as far as deep cleaning, it's something that they didn't really do much before coronavirus. And so now maybe you'll travel in a cleaner plane. Uh, maybe the, the whole experience of being in an airport will be a more sanitized uh, you know, activity. Right. Another one, if you're a, a rider of public transportation, right, um, the pandemic has put the public trans systems in the unenviable position of urging people not to use them unless absolutely necessary. Coming back from all of that will be difficult and it will involve changes in how transit agencies operate. And that can go from, you know, your local bus routes and bus systems all the way to Uber, Lyft. I think we're going to be seeing big differences um, in, in, in rules there too. Yep. Um, we mentioned washing your hands and, and these are just, you know, some of the things that, that have been going on um, in the, in the course of uh, change for all of these things. How do we know, um, you know, which ones are going to turn out good and which ones are not going to turn out good? We don't really know. We don't have a full vision of all of that. And, and some of this is personal. Remember, some people uh, may take to some of these things and other people will say, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm angry that the things have changed this way. But maybe you'll find, as Gloria was saying earlier, that some change that occurred for you or was thrust upon you turned out to be a good thing. Here's one. Right. So a new trend, cooking at home versus dining out, right? So this whole, I don't know if a lot of people have been out there in the stores, but, you know, yeast for a while was really hard to find, yeast and flour, because the sourdough craze um, has been real. A lot of people have purchased appliances and learned to cook and even make their own bread during the shutdown. Is this like those bread makers from about 20 years ago that everybody has sitting in their yeah, basement? Some people, it? because they're home more now, are doing it by hand, the kneading and the rising. Um, seriously, you couldn't find yeast for a long time in the stores. So people were looking for ways to save money on groceries and how to, you know, learning how to do more cooking at home. This could help more Americans spend less on food while reducing their potential exposure to any future pandemics. So I, I do think mentally, I know for myself, I don't really miss eating out anymore. Um, and takeout could definitely be a future trend. Right. And, and it's it's unfortunate for the people it who is. are in the hospitality business it is. Uh, to suffer through this. but. We were saying before, and this is not, again, we're not making light of people who are in these careers at all. Not at all. But we have talked in the past, without getting into a big long-winded explanation, there was a, a gentleman who wrote a book a long time ago called The Innovator's Dilemma. His name was Clayton Christensen. And he talked about disruptive technology, things that came along through history. Thomas Edison and his light bulbs versus gas lamps is a prime example, right? And a lot of people were unhappy about it when it happened, but it happened. And so there was a new world on the other side of it. And, and people and consumers latch on to this. Yes. It's unfortunate, but it, it does happen. Right. Online education has been another area where the coronavirus has forced colleges to send students home early and then bringing them back and sending them home. Or, you know, there's been a lot of change there. Some school uh, districts are going day-to-day, week-to-week with their rules about you know online education. I think a fair number of students have probably suffered from not having in-person uh, you know, contact. And, and there, there's kind of a quasi-parental role that goes on with any teacher who's working, especially with a young person. But on the other hand, it's been better than nothing. And I think we can even probably get a little bit better with the online teaching as time goes on. Yeah, and, and we'll ha we do have to remember that there are some that don't have internet access. That has been a huge challenge for many. I mean, we've got people sitting in parking lots at McDonald's to have free Wi-Fi to get their kids able to be online and get their you know studies. Yeah. So we, we have to remember. 
Yeah, there's there's there a lot of things that have some goods and bad, and, and that's really the, the reason we're doing this show. We're taking a look at the other side of things beyond the numbers and the people who are sick or the people who have died. Uh, we'd love to know your thoughts too. Bob and Gloria, there is a season show.com is the email. We'll have more for you right after this. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. And we've got our uh, information all secured here on the page. I was I'm hitting too many to keep buttons. Bob in order here. Yeah, and yeah, things yeah. were flying off the page. I couldn't find where I was. Anyway, we're back here. We've been talking about the changes, good and bad, that COVID has brought about in our lives in a more day-to-day way, the habits and so forth. And here's a good one, I think. Yeah, Let's... I like this one. So our saving and spending habits have changed. The personal savings rate in the United States shot up to 13.1% in March of 2020, which was a huge jump from 8.2% in February, just a month prior, right? Yeah. On top of that, people are definitely spending less due to the COVID-19 pandemic, partly because they can't go anywhere. U.S. retail sales dropped, unfortunately, 16.4% in April 2020, due in large part to the fact that many people weren't able or weren't willing to go to stores. But it's, uh, it's, it's probably not a totally bad thing because as, as any number of people uh, from um, Dave Ramsey to just other folks have said, you, you need some emergency cash on hand. Not everything right. needs to be spent. Right. And, and people are realizing that they can spend less, you know? Yes. You don't have so to spend as much So our savings money. rate as a country has, you know, through the decades not been great for a lot of times. And so it, that is one positive change. Now, here's a negative thing. How we handle mental health might change as a result of coronavirus. So many people are struggling as they have to remain in isolation and are dealing with the stress of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, It is definitely taking its toll in some cases. About 45% of U.S. adults report feeling a negative mental health impact because of coronavirus. Um, And interestingly enough, during the week of March 29th, so soon after this all really started, right, app downloads related to mindfulness reached 750,000 representing an increase of 25% over weekly downloads for these apps. Um, they're, they're looking for stress relief. Right. People really need stress relief and meditation. And they're looking into ways to be guided in that. And these mindfulness apps help with some of that, right? Right. And, and insurance companies' plans are expanding coverage to include telehealth. And many people are seeking out mental counseling through telehealth. So those are some of the things that have happened here, and there's a lot more, and we look forward to you uh, sharing those through our email, which is... Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. Yes, we look forward to your input on what, what has changed in your life uh, for the good and, and for the bad. You can share some of that, too. Now, uh, coming up here in the next several months and probably weeks, we can probably compress this a little bit more. We've got some great shows coming your way. What's the first one? We've got the science and art of critical thinking. And is it being taught anymore? There are many things not being taught anymore, but that's that's an important one. Another one is conversation starters, how to get people talking or how to get talking yourself, which is not so easy if you're not a radio blabbermouth like Gloria. I was going to say like you, Bob. So Bob, one of these weeks, I don't know, he's got to rev himself up for this, but he's going to give us a good old-fashioned rant and rave about whatever's on his mind. I'm just going to, it'll be a cesspool of angry rhetoric. Yeah, I'm taking a vacation week that week. 
I may just I may burn something in the front yard or so I don't know what'll happen. And we've also got the uh, Medicare annual election period upon us, and we will be talking with Jim Spaulding and his friends and cohorts from Medicare Planning of Dayton. So if you liked what you heard today, again, please send us a note to the email, Bob and Gloria, at thereisaseasonshow.com. That'll do it for us today. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. For that Gloria Shanahan over there, our terrific producers and everyone who makes the show possible, thanks for your time today. We appreciate you being here. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week.